You still on? Yep. Okay. You play ping pong? I'm I'm amazed by people that can play ping pong well. Hey, welcome to episode 19 of On Taking Pictures. You excited, Bill? I'm very excited. 19, really? 19. I'm excited. We're talking about light today, right? And light, light's good. We like light. Light, light is fast. Light is, it's hot, it's cool, right? It can be all those things and more. You can flag it. You can snoot it. (laughs) (laughs) I never snoot my light. Wow. Actually, funny enough, I did snoot my light for the first time arguably ever the other day there you go and we're going to talk about it okay uh so but before we do that this is on taking pictures and we're here every week we're talking about art we're talking about science sometimes gear not so much though more the the other stuff the sticky gooey stuff that you can't really define yeah but uh but it seems to be where we live the more interesting stuff yeah, and, and you guys seem to like it, which is good, because, because we like talking about it. Uh, my name's Jeffrey Sidoris. I'm from FadedAndBlurred.com, and on the other side of the world, in the cultural hub of the universe, <laughs> is, is insert, Bill Insert swelling music. That's right. <laughs> uh, is, is Bill Wadman. And, uh, you know, you might come in handy today, because we're talking about portraits. Uh, again? <laughs> Portraits are good. Portraits are those, those... Wait, did somebody write in and say that they wanted to hear more about portraits? We've had a couple people actually say that, but that's, that's not why we're doing this today. Okay. Portraits are interesting. And portraits are one of those things that, that everybody approaches them different. You know a lot of photographers, and probably all of them approach portraits a little differently, right? Yeah, they do. Uh, all, all the rest of them uh, approach it incorrectly. Nice. There it is. See what I did there? All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) To be a fancy portrait photographer, you have to denigrate every other portrait photographer on Earth at any opportunity, much like astronauts. So I'm I'm excited about today's show because I'm I'm learning light. I'm I'm you know we 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 kind of tried to figure out some light for our our ebook and realized that we were doing it wrong and had some friends come over and say, no, if you just make a few tweaks to the light, your images will look so much different, so much better. Um, so I'm, I'm really amazed at what little tweaks and, and what little changes you can make can have really dramatic effects on, on your photographs. Light is, uh, light is where it's at. Light's, yeah. light's the most important thing. Yeah. By far. So, um, so this is going to be a good show. But, but first, I got a joke for you. Okay, there's a joke? I got a joke, right? Okay. Ready? Ready? How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, I don't know how many. Just one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. <sighs> That's a good one. There it is. Did your shrink right? tell you that one? There, no, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, hey, you see this uh, this photographer that that got dropped from the uh, from the gallery for using stock images? Uh, I have seen the link. Yeah, and you know what? I, I I'm I'm kind of on board with the gallery on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, was was he was he claiming that he was the photographer? Apparently, that's how it went down. Young guy claiming ownership, claiming that that he. Uh, in fact, took these, these photographs, but it turns out that, uh, 
he was using Getty images. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, then the he, images I guess he, he was back. using were very, they're very beautiful. And what he did to them is fine. You know, is, it looks good. But mm-hmm. I, I do believe that to claim that these are his photographs is dishonorable. Right. Uh, what he, what he, apparently what he said was it was appropriate appropriation was the term that he used. Appropriate appropriation? Yeah, he initially denied it, but then came back and said, no, 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 this is, it sounds like what he was going for is this is fair use. Um, but I, I, I kind of don't see it that way. I mean, uh, they're, no. they're very obviously ripoffs of, of the Getty images. Yeah, this is just, this is buying the Getty images and then sitting in Photoshop for half an hour. Right. Um, if that. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the comments is kind of funny. It's uh, step one, download stock photo. Step two, convert to black and white. Step three, increase contrast and clarity. Step four, question marks. Step five, profit. Well, that's it, right? <laughs> uh, and then somebody writes below, you forgot, to, you, for, you forgot about giving them meaningful yet ambiguous titles. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so... Yeah, so don't steal images, folks. Yeah, I uh, no, I I I am all right with this one, but yeah. I'm I'm a big proponent of shooting your own stuff, right? Um, yeah, I mean, unless uh, there 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 are ways to do it, you know. I mean, I I've seen some work where uh, people are combining. Um, vin- well, even in my own work, I, I use a lot of vintage images. I use a lot of. Uh, um, images from Dust Bowl era. In fact, some of the, the Dorothea Lang stuff that we've been talking about, but it's used in almost a, a subordinate role. It's not the main focus of, of the piece. Uh, and I'm also doing a lot more to it, uh, than just converting it to black and white. I don't know. But I, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of go with the gallery on well, this Well, he, d- he does call himself a photo media, photo media artist. But I doubt that he went to the thing and said, look, this is how I work. You right. Know, and, and, and admitted that he was basically just doctoring stock photos. Right. I mean, it's, it would have been one thing to say, look, I'm, I'm going to see how much, how much I can create by just using stock images and right. make that the focus of the project. Sure. You know? I also think like that work that you do where you're taking images like that, that lunch tray one, right? Like that kind of stuff where it's actually multiple images and you're manipulating them severely and you're doing oh, yeah. kind of composite mosaic kinds of things. Sure. I think that is something different than this. Yeah. I mean, it's it, a lot of those pieces are, you know, 30, 40 layers deep of, of physical layers, not just in Photoshop. I right. mean, I'm, I'm layering media on media and media. Right. Um, and yeah, I do. I think it's. I think it's a little different. So yeah, yeah, we're fine with this guy getting docked. Yeah, not not so good. Um, we're we're mean. No, no, maybe uh, a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm just getting. Like I mentioned that I'm I'm kind of getting started in in lighting, and one of the big questions is, what do you buy? Do you do you buy? Uh, hot lights? Do you buy strobes? Do you buy fluorescents? Do you buy LEDs? All of the um, above. All of the above. And and is there a big difference between uh, spending three hundred dollars on uh, say an Alien B head right. versus Pro Photo or 
uh, Ellen Chrome or some of the other Bron Color. Bron Color, sure. Uh, some of the other big brands, and and you found something that I found pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, this guy actually got a pro uh, photo acute pack. I think it was. Um, and then it, oh no, you know what it was? It was a, a cute B like my old one. Okay. Uh, this is the one you just sold, which is the one I just sold because I okay. just didn't use it all that much. Um, and he was comparing it against a, uh, a buff Einstein head, which are like four ninety nine, uh, with their like $200 little battery pack you can buy comparing it to the pro photo head and pack, um, trying to do the same shots or similar shots with these two things to see if he could spend one third as much or less to get the same kind of thing and use the Paul buff modifiers, these parabolic umbrellas and, 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 and all that kind of stuff and their beauty dish and their reflectors. And, um, he didn't test grids, but he did a whole bunch of shots and, uh, serious artistic stuff. And then he just did straight sort of stuff in, uh, in the studio, you know, Mm mm-hmm. And you know what? Yeah, the pro photo ones look very, very slightly better, arguably. But then you could also say that they look close enough that, you know, 30 seconds in Lightroom and you could get them looking identical. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who use Alien Bees, Paul Buff, or, I or do. White Lightnings. That's what I use. Okay. Uh, I use uh, almost all Buff stuff now. I mean, unless it's... If I have a budget and I'm in a studio and I'm renting gear, sure, give me some Pro Photo 7, you know, Pro 7 packs and heads and whatnot. Sure, I'll mm-hmm. use those. And the light's beautiful. I'm just not going to spend $10,000 on a handful of lights, um, which you could easily do buying the high end stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quality of light, the, the cheap stuff's fine. It's fine. It's, you know, it's, it's 97%, 95 or 97% as good as the fancy light. And you know what? The, the, the reasons, and I've never broke one. I have one of my buffs that I bought in 2000, before I even got into this stuff, 2004, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, before I started taking pictures seriously, I, I bought one of these just to play around with. And it's still one of my lights. You know, hmm. um, would I throw them off the top of a building or, you know, off the back of a truck and then pick them up and expect them to still work? Uh, actually, yes, I would. But the pro photo stuff is like built like little tanks. You right. Know? I mean, that's that's a lot of what you're paying for is that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and you're paying for the fact that if you go to a new town and you one of your heads breaks, you could rent a new pro photo head because they're the standard at every rental house. Okay, but that kind of stuff becomes less and less of an issue as time goes on, uh, because it, it people have their own heads, and you don't need as much light nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be, oh, I need I these need to look really great, so I'm going to shoot film at 100 ASA, and therefore I need like wads of light. And it's like, well, you nowadays you could shoot with speed lights half the time at ISO 400, saves you two stops of light, and then then you could just you know, shoot, shoot your heart away with like little lights. Um, do the differences between the low end or lower end lights and the high end lights become more apparent at higher power? I mean, you, you just said about shooting film, you need more light because you're shooting uh, lower. No, I think that it's the kind of thing where they become more apparent, the better the photographer you are. Okay. Um, like, um, do you ever have, 
Uh, let's see. Did you ever um, like play golf? Right. I, I have played golf. Okay. I suck at it, but I have uh, played it. You know, it's it's the whole thing where yes, a beginner using Tiger Woods's clubs, it's better than using super super crappy clubs, but not really that much of a difference. But for Tiger Woods, those clubs could give him an extra fifteen yards and accuracy. You know what I mean? That like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that precision means more to somebody who can actually use the precision. Um. Which goes back to beginning people having X camera and thinking that Y camera is going to make a big difference. It's like you're not at the point where camera is going to make a big difference. You know, there, there arguably are times when cam- cameras make a difference, but those those differences are 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 small. You know, um, but this this guy's this guy's article is pretty great uh, and and pretty pretty accurate from your experience. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, and he got like way, way, way more flashes from the Paul Buff little battery thing than he ever did the acute B, which kind of cracks me up. Mm. Um, but, you know, for the money, it's just it's a no brainer. Uh, I've heard that the Buff people provide really excellent support as well. Uh, they do. And I think they have a weird thing where you can if you buy let's say you buy a 400, which is the low end alien B. I think you can trade it in for a bigger one later for like and get like 80% of the price you paid on the old one or 100% of the price you paid. Like you can basically trade up huh. for nothing. That's um, kind of neat. I have one 800, one 400. I have one 3200 white lightning. But the only reason I bought that is when I was shooting that Polaroid 55 that we talked about. Sure. That stuff's ISO 25. So if you're shooting into a big, uh, or at least the negative is. Uh, if you're shooting into a big soft box, you need a lot of light to get like, you know, F11, F16 on a big camera. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, I had, I bought this big giant light, but I almost never use it anymore. And I, I was actually thinking about calling them up and seeing if I could trade it in for an Einstein or something. Cause I, I, I need less power, but I need smaller, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. I, you, I took, uh, I needed some portraits done of myself, self portraits. What do they call those pictures is of that, yourself? Is that what you call it? Thank you for, for providing clarity. <laughs> well, I wanted to take some this weekend. And because uh, I, I need every once in a while, you know, if somebody's doing an article or whatever it is, they, they want a picture, a headshot, like a contributor's headshot and that kind of stuff. Sure. And I, I never really have one. Or I use that picture of me with my head in the fishbowl mm-hmm. or the uh, fish tank. Yep. Which was terrifying to make. Um and so I wanted to get something a little more serious. So I, I had my friend Claude come over and I set up a bunch of lights and then he, he was a photographer, cameraman guy, uh, shooting me. And I ended up using five lights, which is a lot of lights for me. It sounds like a lot of light. Um, it is a lot of lights. There, there are, there are photographers who use five lights all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not one of them. Uh, I think the the most I think I've ever used before was four. Now I went to five. Um, but using and, light- and when you when you look at that, do you do you do you say to yourself? I mean, because you're you're much more um, obviously adept and and Anal. sensitive to well, no, just sensitive to what these little differences make than I am. So, do you look at that and go, oh yeah, that fifth light? That's that's really what made that. If I had only used four, it just wouldn't have had 
X? I mean, are, are you are you able to discern enough about? I mean, I'm sure you are. What's happening to go? Yep, I need another light here, or I need. You know, I just kept setting up more lights until it looked good. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, if, if there are ways to use multiple lights, which look bad. Um, I personally think that sort of really hard lit side light, headlight, top light, backlight, you know, all that sort of mm-hmm. that really overdone sort of hard look that was kind of big a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you mean like, and I'm not, I don't mean to throw her under the bus, but like a Jill Greenberg where it's, where it's a much harsher, almost uh, kind of a setup. I mean, I think Jill Greenberg, that kind of thing, but Jill Greenberg does it well. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't particularly like her pictures but yeah that but that 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 style yeah mm-hmm. where but, it looks much more lit you're right okay. um you but people who aren't good at, she's very good at it yeah yeah no she is um and if that's what you're doing all the time and you have all the modifiers and you're very careful and everything's really precise you can get really beautiful results in a studio mm-hmm. doing that mm-hmm. um and and i was trying to do something like that the other day. Um, uh, basically, if, if you do it right, you get something that looks, it's, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes the more lights you, lo- you use, to the untrained eye, the simpler it looks. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, that in some ways, you're, you're filling in all of the mental holes so that it looks just like, oh, there's just light going on mm-hmm. when actually there's a bunch of lights, plural, going on. Right, right, right. Um, so in yeah, some the, ways – Your shot actually looks very painterly. Yeah. it's it's it, So here, to, to, a quick rundown of the lights here. I, I had um, the main key light I'll, – I'll put the picture in the show notes, I guess. Uh, the main you have like key, a little diagram you can throw in? I could draw a diagram, I guess. Um the the main the main light was a, a a beauty dish with a grid on it. Um, I had a uh, another light like next to Claude that was bouncing off the back wall just to fill shadows. Um, so that was sort of like the the base so of the whole thing was this fill light shooting away from you. So that shooting that away from me, shooting away from yeah, you. bouncing off the wall behind so that it sort of just generally lit the scene. Okay. Uh, and then there was another light off to the right side of me, which uh, was a uh, another alien bee's head with a softbox with a grid on it to sort of give this sort of like rim side light on the other side. Okay, um, so this is camera left for those of you looking at the photo. Yep. Um, and then there is a light on the background with a grid on it. And then there that was four lights. And then I decided... As we were shooting, Claude's just like, oh, we need, we need more light on your hair. And I only have four big strobes. So we pulled out a little, uh, an SB-80 and put it up on a stand and had it sort of shooting down to the other side to sort of light the, the left side of my head, my hair, sort of the just top left. Just bare or any sort of modifier on it? Uh, bare, but um, with a snoot. Uh, okay, there you go. Um, and... Uh, Basically, I, I don't I don't own any like official snoots, but I have some of that black aluminum foil, the cinefoil. Oh right, you bought some the other day. You're right, about. I, I bought it to build some f- actual flags that I'm going to use in stuff coming up. But um, 
but it works fine. Just a little piece of it to like wrap around as a, a sort of cone around the front of it mm-hmm. to sort of uh, stop the spill from hitting my going bald head. <laughs> um, and I got my, I got my haircut last week. So I wanted to take these pictures while my nice haircut was fresh. Um, so I put a suit on and, and, and we took some pictures. So it was five lights, four lights on me and one on the background. And for me, that's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most lights that I've ever used in a, in another photograph might be that picture of, um, Tony Ortega from the village voice, that black and white sort of newsman sure. shot. Okay. That uh, sitting at his desk, sitting at his desk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was four speed lights, uh, with, uh, Dan Gottesman and I, he has all these, like his little speed light kit. So we had like one on his face with like a little soft box, one over his shoulder, like rim light. Then I'd, I'd one on the camera bouncing off the back wall that triggered them all and gave overall illumination. And then we had one extra that we lit the booze behind him. Wow. Uh, Look the, at you channeling your inner Joe McNally. No, Joe would have used 16 <laughs> and, and gels. And you yeah. would have said, but Joe, we're shooting black and white. He's just, no, we need gels. Yeah. It's got to be orange over there and blue over yeah. here. What, what, is the, what is the thing, the uh, tree of sorrow? Is that what he calls it? What, tree of pain. Something. It's like, it's like this, this mount that he's got that he can mount like you know, seven or eight speed lights on. Oh, so he can shoot high-speed sync outside? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's just silly. I mean, yes, okay, great. It could be, you know, here's the thing. I, I, I went to music school. I went to Berkeley College in Boston. And uh, originally I was there on a composition scholarship. And I went in like my third week at school and uh, I had a meeting with the head of the composition department, the chair of the composition department. And I was all sort of like, I was, you know, I was kind of dumbfounded. Oh, I'm meeting with the chair of the department, you know, whatever, right. dean or whatever. Sure. And uh, I go into his office and on the wall while I was waiting for him was a piece he wrote for 16 tubas. Now, this guy's a tuba player. So, okay, I can understand wanting to write for tubas, but he wrote That's for 16 tubas. tubas. Right. <laughs> now, it's not that you can't write for 16 tubas. I'm sure you you can because he did. And in some ways, a lot of that kind of thing is to see if you can do it, right? Like, look, mm-hmm. I this is, an, this is an academic exercise as much as it is anything, right? Sure. And I looked at this on the wall, and I sort of had this epiphany that I was like, okay, I don't want to be part of this because this is – it's the kind of thing where like, this isn't about music anymore. This is about whether or not I can write a piece for 16 tubas. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. They're like, sure you can do it, but why do it? You know? And so in some ways, like a lot of the the kind of thing with McNally where it's like, I used 14, uh, speed lights to do the work of whatever in the desert. It's like, yeah, okay. But you could have just brought one battery pack and a real strobe and, gotten this done you know what i mean like there's a little bit of um i guess he was doing high speed sync it's just kind of like doing something just because you can not because you really want to just seems kind of silly to me but maybe maybe that's the challenge maybe maybe lighting something with 42 speed lights to make it look like there were three bigger heads there. Maybe that's his technical challenge. And he really, he really gets into that. Maybe I just, to me, it just feels like it gets to the point where it's just like, okay, now, now you're just showing off that you have 16 speed lights. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know. Well, um, okay. So now let, let's go. I'm from, not. I'm not disparaging. I hear he's a very nice guy, and I have friends who are friends with him and have assisted. He him seems like a nice guy. He seems like a very nice guy, and I've met his wife, and she was very nice. Um, but it's just that, that kind of stuff just kind of kills me. But uh, well, so anyway, so yeah, I used so I used four big lights and one little speed light, which was a lot for me. Um, but I don't think that the picture looks overlit. No, um, no. But let, let's. And of let's course, I wasn't gears. shooting, so. Let's switch gears for a sec and yeah. go from from your five light setup to, to these Audrey tattoo shots that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so uh, Audrey tattoo, one of my favorite actresses ever, uh, and and yours probably. Wait, now hold on a second. Do you actually like her because uh, she's a good actress or because she's gorgeous? Um, both, barring Da Vinci Code. Was she bad in Da Vinci Code, or did you just not like the movie Da Vinci Code? I, I just couldn't get past how horrible the movie was, to okay. be honest with you. Um, did you like the book? Uh, you know, it was okay. It's, you know, it's kind of hokey, but okay. Okay. Um, there are some interesting conspiracy claims, and uh, I don't know. It just, eh, I don't Okay. Know. Uh, but I do, I do dig Audrey Tattoo. Uh, obviously, are you a member um, of the Knights Templar? That's right. <laughs> are you are you protecting the order? I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Okay. Uh, she was obviously very good in Amelie. Um, mm-hmm. There was also a very long engagement that was she was amazing in. Um, so anyway, digressing aside, a guy named Joe McGordy shot her for uh, a magazine called Glass. Magazine and what what I found interesting a couple things that I really found interesting about it and we can put the link in the in the show notes. Number one, he shot with a four by five camera, which I want to ask you about. Yep. But uh, number two, he included a couple of behind the scenes uh, pictures, and most of the shots were using just window light, or maybe window light with he used this little this little tube light as a fill, a soft tube, and then uh, one of the other shots is just one big softbox um which we've you and i have talked about before so i guess my first question is why four by five and then we can get to the light but what are you gaining for um a print magazine eight by ten eight by eleven uh what are you gaining shooting four by five that you wouldn't get or that would be missing from and shooting digital. And it's weird. We're talking a little bit about gear today, but I, I hope you guys will indulge us. Um, all right. So do you want to do four by five compared to digital or do you want to talk, get the, keep the analog digital thing out of it and say four by five compared to medium format film or whatever? You know what I mean? I wonder if the, the digital to film discussion will overshadow the format size discussion. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe let's keep analog digital out of it and just let's assume that you, the guy likes shooting film otherwise. Okay, you know, like thirty-five millimeter or medium sure. format. Sure. Um, there are things that you can do. Okay, uh, for those of you who don't know who are not big photography people, there are large format cameras like the ones, um, the oldie timey stuff that people used to like put their heads under, you know, the cloth, those kinds of things with the bellows. Um, like uh, my Cambo that I have that was in that little video that we put up a couple weeks ago um, th- that take a very, very large negative. So um, where a 35 millimeter frame, you know, is, is this tiny little like one inch by three quarter inch thing. Um, 
this is a four inch by five inch area of negative, which is 16 times the size of a 35 millimeter frame. So it has 16 times the resolution, which if you're making really big prints really matters. Um, and if you're not making really big prints matters a little less, although there are reasons to use a bigger camera that have nothing to do with resolution. Um, one of the, so why do people use a big camera? People use a big camera for a number of reasons. Number one reason I like to use a big camera when I do is that it slows down the process. Okay. Um, in some ways, photography nowadays has gotten so fast that it's like, oh, just pull out your, oh, I'm just going to pull out my iPhone and snap. Okay, done. You know, where with large format camera, the process of focusing, the process of uh, getting the exposure right, uh, setting things up, closing the shutter, lock, cocking the shutter, putting film in, opening it up. Now, there are people like Avedon who worked with 8x10 cameras almost as fast as other people use 35 right. millimeter because right. he had a team of five guys. Do you ever see some of that video of them doing oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a machine. Yeah. Like there's, you know, there's one guy who all his job is, is film loading. You know, mm-hmm. and it's crack and they pu- puts the dark slide in, pulls it out, puts another one, pulls the dark slide, crack next one. You know, it's, it's a couple seconds per shot. Um, but most people don't work like that. And I don't work like that when I use large format, mostly because, well, I couldn't afford to do that. Avedon could afford to shoot like that at $20 per picture because right. all day long he's Avedon, right? Yeah. Um, so th- there's, there's definitely that kind of thing. There's also uh, the, the sense that it gives your subject the fact that you're taking the time and they're sitting for a bigger camera. Now this Mm -hmm. is talking about why you would want to use one in the modern day when you could get equivalent quality, a number of other ways, you know, for most of your uses. Would you assume that, that this was at the behest of the magazine that they, this is probably the photographer. Okay. Photographer saying, Hey, we can, we can really do some wonderful things here if we shoot four by five film. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? There's a look to four by five film. Um, okay. God, I, I, I almost wish I didn't say that. Why? Is there not? Do you regret it? There is and there isn't, right? I mean, you look at those pictures and they're beautiful pictures. Could those pictures be taken by non, by, a, you know, by a 5D? Yeah, they probably could. Um, you know, if, if the guy shot, had those lights set up, took the same pictures and had them processed to look the same way, you would get the same pictures. I mean, within any sort of reason. Um, and, and would you say that because of the size that they're being displayed? I mean, if you went up to twenty by thirty, or yeah, if you uh, if you had if you had big giant prints of these next to each other, and, and I'm not talking like eight by ten prints. I'm talking like if you had you know three foot by two foot prints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the four by five one would look better than my five D. Would it look better than a P sixty five plus back? Uh, that becomes arguable, right? Okay. But here's the thing. There is a difference between formats that most people don't normally talk about. And I am a little bit, I don't know that I necessarily agree with, which is this. The image is outside the front of the camera. The lens needs to shrink that image, compress it down to whatever size the film is, right? So on 35 millimeters, it's got to shrink it all the way down to the postage stamp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Medium okay. format. It's got to shrink it all the way down to, you know, two and a half by two, two and a quarter by two and a quarter inches, large format. It only has to shrink it down to four inches by five inches. So the lenses on 
bigger cameras tend to be much simpler because you don't have to you don't have to do as much crazy optical work in order to get them to look good. Does okay. that make sense? Just just in terms of the mechanics of the actual lens. Yes, the okay. the, the 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 physics of the light going through the lens. You know, it's okay. going through less stuff in order to get it to the size it needs to be. So there's an argument to be made that there's something inherent in the size of the image that is being projected. Um, that because it's shrunk down less, there's less, I, I don't mean to use this word, but it's the only word I have compression. Okay. Um, that less gets lost in the process of shrinking. Um, and so some people will argue that that is the big, that that is why large format pictures look better than medium or small format camera uh, cameras. So um, is it kind of a, almost like an uncanny Valley type of a situation where you just, you, you, you just feel that there's a difference. Yeah. And, and see, I don't even know if it's there. The, I mean, the other thing you get too, is at a different, at the similar, uh, can you hear the rain outside my window? Yes, I can. Sorry, listeners. It's raining and there's not much I can do about it, but that's kind of nice. I like rain. It's relaxing. It's, it's ambience. Yeah. Um, that I think that for <sighs> uncanny Valley, that's interesting. I think that there, I think that there is a, there are a number of differences, right? There's also the idea that the depth of field is shorter. Okay. So, okay. My, the lens on my large format camera only stop, opens up till 5.6, right? At five, six, which is very, very closed down compared to a 35 millimeter camera, right? Which a lot of the primes open up to 1.4, 1.8, 1.2, even on some of mine. Sure. But the depth of field that I get at 1.2 or 1.4 on my 35 millimeter camera is essentially the depth of field I get at 5.6 on my big camera. Okay. So he may be shooting these at F8, F11, F16 even. Right. But, but yes, but they're still, they're not like perfectly in, in uh uh focus right there i mean there's right. like so he's probably shooting at f11 but if i shot at f11 on my 35 millimeter camera i would get a lot more depth of field than he's getting sure um okay. so there are some things that you can do with that that you that make things easier for example uh dan winters who we talked about a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um who is i'm a big fan of shoots a lot of large format he shoots four by five all the time. Um, and one of the things he can do is have short depth of field while also say using a ring light as a fill, which is usually way too powerful just to use as like a fill. That's two, three stops down from what you were looking for. Um, if I do that on my 35 millimeter camera, I have to stop down to F eight or whatever. And if I stop down to F eight, I get lots of depth of field, but I don't want lots of depth of field. But if I was shooting with a large format camera, F8 is actually pretty shallow depth of field. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's sort of like a, it's a way to trick. Everything in, everything in photography is a trade-off. Um, so, yeah, you get a bigger negative, but you get less depth of field for the same amount of light. You know, there's, there's, everything's a trade-off. Um, is, why is, this there go, a, is there a quality difference? I mean, I'm looking at some of these, these shots where, where she's standing in front of these beautiful windows that, yep. that, that have light pouring through them. Is there a quality of light difference no that happens no 
in, uh, in uh, that in that four by five versus say medium format digital. Or- uh, well, I mean, if you're shooting if you're shooting four by five and you're shooting film, you know, then you get back into the argument of is there a quality of light of film? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like, okay, there's a picture on here where she's standing at a window, her arms sort of up in front of her, and it's coming in like the window's coming in from the right, and then it's there's light hitting her from the back. Um, He's filling in the rest of this image so that he's equalizing the light coming in the window from the light coming from the back. Um, it's, I mean, you could, you could do this with any camera, right? This is not any sort of rocket science. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beautiful pictures. Don't get me wrong. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I really like them a lot. I, last week, a um, couple weeks ago, when I was working on one of those uh, one-shots, uh, I took a couple pictures of the guys that I was shooting with some Provia film, uh, slide film. And I put them actually up on, uh, on takingpictures.com last week. So we'll put the thing in the show notes. Okay. Um, uh, so I shot my friends Everett and this guy, Ralph with, uh, Provia, which is this, uh, uh, ISO 100 slide film, which is my favorite slide. It's Provia for me or, or the Kodak, the, the, the G 100, I guess it is. Um, and you get the, I got this slide back and you can, you can put it on a scanner and zoom in. And I mean, there's maddening amounts of detail, just like mm-hmm. mind blowing amounts of detail. I scanned it really high res, like at uh 9,000 by 7,000, something like that pixels, um, which is like 70, 80 megs or right, uh, right. Uh, megabytes, uh, megapixels. And then I printed it out at 13 by 19 and it had to downsize it in order to fit it onto a 13 by 19 piece of paper. Um, and it looked amazing. You know, it looks like, it looks like, I mean, cause it's this close up picture of his face. It feels like a Chuck close painting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're getting to, and that, that's kind of one of, one of the questions behind my, my four by five initial question is it you're getting to a point where it's it's sort of like the difference even in the print between a regular display and a retina display um yeah i mean there is a lot of detail however if i shot the same picture i mean a lot of it's the ring light that gives it that sort of look if i shot this same if i got a medium format back high-res medium format back and shot the same picture it would look very similar to this Mm-hmm. In fact, I should get Everett back and just shoot this with my eighty-five-one two, and see what it looks like. You know, yeah. Um, because I think that you could get a similar quality. Okay. Um, it's you know when it comes down to it, it's all about uh, angle of view, right? You know, it's it's all about how much of how much of the scene in front of me am I getting into the picture, mm-hmm. and barring distortion or light issues or you know all that kind of stuff, you should get a very similar image, right? You know, all things being equal. Now, are there differences in format? Yeah. Okay. It's film. It looks a little, you know, smoother, maybe, I don't know, you know, uh, the Dan winter stuff. I mean, he's still doing a lot of post on that stuff. Cause you can see, uh, halos, like sort of the, uh, uh high pass filter halos and stuff. So it's not like this stuff's coming right out of camera looking that way. Sure. Um, by the way, I wanted to point out that I also realized that, um, uh, Last week, uh, we we uh, uh, we had what's his name Greg Heisler as our photographer, yep. and yep. we were talking about how similar a lot of his stuff is to the Dan Winter stuff of the week before. It turns out he was he assisted Greg Heisler. Dan Winters assisted Greg Heisler like twenty something years ago. Pretty cool. So that makes sense. 
Yeah. Pretty um, cool. So, I, so in answer to your question, I, is there a difference? Eh, yeah. I mean, there are reasons to use large format. For me, they're, they're less about the quality, although the quality is exceptional. You know, mm-hmm. four by five on film, you're getting crazy amounts of information. Way more information than you ever need for some regular magazine. Right. Well, I just, I thought it was a, I thought it was interesting that he used four by five. I thought it was, I mean, because I've, I've been, as you know, looking at, at something along this line. I want to try it just for the process of yeah. it. Uh, the other thing that struck me about it was the simplicity of the lighting, yep. you know, because you and I have talked about uh, just getting out and doing it that none of this is is really rocket science. It's just getting out and doing it and seeing what your camera will do, what your lights will do yep. and adjusting and modifying as needed. And and in this case, he's using window light and maybe one additional light yep. or in the case of the softbox, just using this one big softbox. And it, it kind of gets back to. It's it's about the guy or girl driving the camera. Yep. It's 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 the experience and vision of the photographer that's going to make that beautiful woman and beautiful location a beautiful photograph. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have a beautiful woman, you have beautiful location, gorgeous location, you have amazing wardrobe and hair and makeup. Um and the lighting is yeah, it's maddeningly simple. It's, you know, it's window light plus something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, I mean, look, if you, if somebody wants to get into fancier lighting, if they've got a camera, they don't have a flash or the, you know, whatever it is. And they want to get into some more portrait stuff. You could go to alien bees and buy a B 400, the little thing for, I think they're like $230 mm-hmm. Buy one of those or, or look on eBay. You can yeah. get great deals on them on eBay. I think they even, I think Buff even has like some sort of like little kit for $300, which is like a stand, a big umbrella and a light. I mean, that's essentially what this guy is using. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny the, the you know, last week, well, we were talking about that, that Tom Hanks picture, um, right. the winter's picture. Yeah. And, uh, one of our listeners, Joe Shelley, uh, chimed in and was saying that, uh, all these people, well, first of all, he was, he was saying that, uh, he likes the whole idea that it's about the art is about, uh, craft intent, time, place, and procession, which I like. Um, that's nice. I yeah, like that. it's really nice. But he was talking about, um, uh, Dan Winters and how there was an, uh, there was a thread on the strobist, uh, uh, group on Flickr going back and forth, like kind of fighting about, how Dan Winters did the light on that Tom Hanks picture. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And uh, Dan Winters found it, came on, and answered. Very cool. Right. So you mind if I read this? No, please. Okay. So this is Dan Winters talking. He says, John, to be honest with you, I don't remember what I used lighting that picture. Probably a pro photo head with a grid, a Camara for Phil, uh, which is like a big softbox, some flags uh, on a head in the background, the uh, picture was shot on a set that we built at Smashbox Studios in Culver City. When I started in this particular photograph, I had already gone into overtime and Tom's publicist was giving me the evil eye. I was messing around with the lighting while he was in position and he noticed her snarling at me. Under his breath, he said to me, take your time. A gesture like this can really diffuse stress while working under pressure. Tom's a total pro and is well versed in the difficulties of achieving subtle lighting. The same lighting could be achieved using many different types of equipment. Truthfully, with patience and care, it could be achieved using clip lights from Home Depot and 100-watt bulbs with some neutral density filters, some flags and stands. 
I usually think about the kind of light I want and then think about the best way to approach it on that day. My lighting approach is pretty intuitive. After 25 years as a professional, the mystery has abated somewhat, but the wonderment is still very much there. One of my greatest pleasures in life is lighting portraits. I recently went to Hawaii to do a shoot of M&M and Dre for packaging. When we landed, I drove to Home Depot, bought some clip lights, bulbs, and some flat white spray paint. I spray painted the inside of the reflectors white, bought some extension cords, and went to the recording studio. Had my assistant hold the lights, and I lit the whole shoot in this manner. Nice. The real trick to the lighting is understanding the physical properties of light. When you really understand them, your only obstacle is your voice, which is more infinite infinitely more difficult to master than any lighting setup. Thanks for sharing your work. Some of it's really beautiful. Best of luck, Dan. I like that Some of it is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like so much about this answer. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he actually answered, came on and answered. Sure. I like the fact that he said, I used all this high end gear. I also like the fact that he says it didn't matter a damn anything that i right. use this high-end in, gear in the next shoot i went and used home depot stuff exactly you know yeah. the high-end stuff might make it easier to control and that kind of stuff i mean and that's what you're talking about that's what i'm when i when i say the the really high-end clubs for somebody who knows how to use them yes they could be more useful but they are not a panacea and i also love the idea that that tom hanks was just like take your time mm-hmm. i love the idea that there are people out there who understand that what we do on this side of the camera is just as difficult as what they do on their side of the camera sure. and, and have respect for that, you know? Yeah, no, it's good. Um, it's good. So Classy yeah, guy, Dan Winters, Dan, Dan Winters, man. Ugh. anyway. So, uh, but the whole clip on light thing, you know, he went and bought some crappy, you know, lights and, and use those because yeah, that's, that's kind of awesome. It, what it is about is understanding light. You know, there's, there's, there's hard, there's soft, there's big, there's small and all the combinations of those. And whether you get it from a soft box or a soft lighter or a soft or an umbrella or a diffuser, you know, diffuser thing that, you know, we didn't talk. I don't think we talked about it on the air last time with Greg Heisler. Did we talk about how he got the light on that one portrait where he shot through the paper? Oh yeah. Yeah. You did through the background paper. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he's, you know, Greg Heisel's just like, screw it. Give me a 12 foot roll of background paper and I'll make that into my light, you know? Um, so it's now you could have done that on maybe not to the same effect, but there was a, an article on strobist. Uh, they used a a speed light and a sheet. I have used a speed light and a sheet multiple times. I've used a speed light and a plastic bag from the grocery store that had been opened up to become a diffuser. Nice. Uh, and that worked actually great. Um, it's, it's man, all this stuff, it's the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. Um, so yeah, those pictures of Audrey tattoo are beautiful. I think it has much, as much to do with Audrey tattoo and those gorgeous dresses. Sure. Um, but I think that looking at that guy taking those pictures, cause there's a couple of pictures where you could see the camera and stuff. Um, he seems like a traditionalist and maybe he only took 20 pictures that day. You know, mm-hmm. he set them up very carefully. He got it perfect. And then he snapped, you know, um, although when he's doing that, I mean, you were asking me last night about how do you set up? Like, how do you know what lights look like? You know, when you're putting right. them up, right. When you're doing, when you're trying to figure out ratios from like in your five light setup, are there, are there rules for, 
the, the, the key light has to be two stops more than the fill light, which has to be a stop more than the rim. Or is, is it just you there know, are, salt and pepper to taste? Look, there, there are ratios. Um, I think that sticking to ratios in that way was much more of an issue in the film days. Okay. Because, you know, oh, I want my fill two stops down from where the key light is. Well, you're not going to know that until you take the picture and get it developed or maybe using Polaroid. So the easier way to do that is to use a meter, right? So mm-hmm. if this one is at, you know, F8 and I want the other one to stop down, oh, the other one, if I turn the meter and point it to the other light and I get 5.6, okay, well, then I'm going to stop down. Um, but I, But with digital, that has sort of been, it doesn't really matter, right? Take the mm-hmm. picture. Oh, is that too bright? Okay, turn it down. <laughs> Is that not bright enough? Okay, turn it up. I mean, you you could still work the way you worked back in the day, but why? Right. You know, there's there's no need to do it. It's much more because ultimately those rules were created from reality, right? People took pictures, figured out what they had done, and said that looked really good when I had that ratio. Okay. But with digital, you can go straight back to the what looks good question. Right. Right. Either back of the camera or shooting tethered or, right. or what have you. Know. you. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, now we, we have so many options now. I mean, big strobes, little speed lights, the LED panels. I, I'm not a huge fan of the LED panels um, just because you get those little pinpricks of the LED dots on them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some sort of like these weird uh, panels that just light up like the whole thing more like, a, you know, like those... Um, those little night lights that plug in that kind of glow. Oh yeah, sure. Like a big version of that, but white. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, we we tried uh, fluorescent lights when we were shooting chill, and I I really like being able to see where the light is falling. Sure. I, I think I would enjoy like a WYSIWYG like, thing. Yeah, I really like that. I think I would enjoy kind of the hot light or the constant light. Yeah process just yeah. because you can kind of fiddle with it and see exactly what you want or, or as, as close to it as you can get. Yeah. I've, you know, I'm, I've never been at the only time that I use continuous lights. I have a handful of times, but most of the times that I'm using continuous lights, I'm essentially just using the modeling lights on my bees. Okay. But those are tungsten bulbs, which makes color a whole other ball of wax, uh, not just white balance, but color isn't quite as good. Um, cause tungsten bulbs are not, they're not, their spectrum isn't very even. It's not very, con- it's not continuous, but, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, a few weeks ago I shot this thing at Google for this guy at Google, this headshot kind of thing. And they had these Kino flow lights in the studio. Cause it was like a video studio they had. Okay. And I, and I was like, Oh, can I use these? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I just turned on these big Kino flow lights and used those. And it was very odd using continuous lights. Um, my thing with the, with the, with like, I don't like a lot of heat, mm-hmm. you know, Karsh famously used continuous lights, used essentially movie lights. Right. Right. Um, and I would do that except, I mean, you know, talk about weight and whatever. Um, I think, uh, doesn't Paolo Reversi use? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think he uses continuous I, lights too. I, you know, I, sometimes I think, oh, I should buy one of those little LOL kits or, right. or even go down to Home Depot and, and put together like a little fun little lighting kit with some, uh, daylight balanced, uh, uh, fluorescence. Yeah. Cause you could do I, that nowadays. 
I think that's what we're going to do for the next book. Because I, I, like I said, I really like seeing where the light's going to fall and then, you know, seeing where the reflector is going to fill in um, rather than just sort of, for me, the trial and error of shoot that with a speed light, shoot that with a speed light. Yeah. And, and not being able to see kind of where things are, are, are falling and where things are wrapping. And, and the, you know. the, 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 the strobes have a few advantages. One is size, right? For sure. the amount of light you're getting. Um, two, they don't put off a lot of heat. Three, they're nearly instantaneous, so you can sort of freeze motion. And when you're shooting portraits and people are moving around and that kind of stuff, a lot of times with continuous lights, if your shutter speed's not fast enough, you get a lot of blur and that kind of thing. Okay. And there are real reasons why people use strobes. And the light that comes out of them is very, very close to sunlight. It's like, you know, uh, strobes have a very clean, very smooth, their white balance is, you know, locked onto daylight. And they have a very continuous spectrum, so all the colors look good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are reasons to good, solid reasons to use strobes. But I and I've gotten used to them. But it is weird when you're looking at somebody through the viewfinder, and you're coming up with you're putting your picture together, and then you take the picture and it looks completely different than what you're seeing through the viewfinder. The, 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 yeah, right. Than what you just looked at. Yeah. Sure, I can. I totally get that. Uh, I've gotten used to that, so it's not as much of a thing for me. But I don't know. It's just weird. Um, you have any other questions before we wrap that part up? No, no, thanks. That's, that's good. I don't know that I'm any closer to a decision other than, sorry about that. No, uh, other than, uh, you know, just diving in. And I think that's been kind of your advice all along is just, you know what, just buy something, try yeah. it. Yeah. If it doesn't work, move on to something else. You guys you did know, buy, just, you bought a big soft lighter or something, didn't you? Yeah. Soft lighter. And, uh, we used a soft lighter and a 22 inch easy box for the book. Okay. And they look just, good. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you've seen it. A couple yeah. of speed lights. You know, it looked good. Yeah, but I okay. okay. So the stuff I saw actually was—I thought you used like diffusers, just diffusing daylight for a lot of it. No, no. We shot everything uh, with speed lights because we only had like two minutes oh, okay. before the ice cream. Oh right, right. right of course. Yeah. Beautiful, by the way. The book Thanks. looks great. We got to. Thank you. Uh, yeah. If you guys haven't bought Chill, which is uh, Jeffrey and Nikki's uh, new. Uh, ice cream ebook if you want to make your own ice cream want good recipes beautiful photography and uh yeah it's amazing yeah it's fun thank you um hey you know somebody when i was complaining last week about people wanting me to work for free by the way the the people somebody emailed and asked you to work for free the people well the people in poland interestingly enough uh did i mention that i mentioned yeah well we talked about it offline so but, yeah, say it. So some some company, some design company in Poland wanted to buy some big prints of uh, of a couple of my motion pictures for a new club over in uh, over in Warsaw, and they wanted to print them really, really big, like feet, seven feet by five feet, um, and they wanted me to send them the file and they wanted the rights to print these two big giant things and you know this whole thing. So I quoted them a price, and I didn't hear back from them. And then I wrote them again saying, hey, whatever happened with that? And what's really frustrating is that they wrote, finally they wrote me back, right? Because only after I nudged again. And they said, oh, you know, we we bought something from somebody else in London for X amount. And the X amount was one-tenth what I was going to charge them. Isn't that amazing? And I wasn't charging them that much. Right. Considering what they wanted, I wasn't charging them much at all. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, good luck with your project. Right. Whoever that person was in London, they got screwed. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was like, uh, 
like a Getty image license, basically. Yes, is what that's they essentially what they paid. Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, really? Like, they're letting them print this giant thing and have it up in this club and like having to be like the centerpiece of this entire thing for that much right. money. That becomes the brand for the club basically. Right. Or, or it becomes part of the visual identity for the club. And I was kind of, I was kind of taken aback, not just because like I didn't get the gig, like whatever, I don't get the gig, but from the point of view of it's, it's that kind of thing that really it's like, it's D de, uh, uh, devaluing art, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of banter about the democratization of photography, but I think it it really does go way beyond that. I, I think it really does. Uh, what it, Michael Greco calls it a race to the bottom. It and, is a race to the bottom. You know, it, at some point, it's more than just uh, the new guy trying to break into the business or the new girl trying to break into the business. It's it's you've got pros charging less and less, not just the new people. Right. Yeah. You've got established photographers charging less and less, cutting their own value versus what they charged two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. And you know, the amount of the number of photographers who are making, you know, multiple six figures is pretty low. Sure. Most photographers photographers are just, you know, getting along, surviving. Like if you went and worked some normal job, you know, there are people who make a lot of money, but those guys, I mean, there's, you know, there's a hundred of them in the world, you know, <laughs> like right, there's, right. there aren't that many guys who are making that much money. Um, but yeah, anyway, most so of the guys have gone the way of, of the chase Jarvis's or, or, right. you know, branching out and doing other things besides just shooting pictures. Sure. Um, interestingly enough, somebody sent in that, uh, Harlan Ellison rant. Yeah. Harlan. <laughs> have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's been around for a while. Um, if you haven't seen it, we'll, we'll stick it in the show notes. Harlan's a, a writer for, he, he used to, he wrote a bunch of episodes of like uh, Star Trek next generation, right? Is that what it was that he's complaining about there? Yes. Or deep yeah. space nine or something. One of the Star Trek franchises. So he yeah. wrote, he, he did some episodes for that and uh, they were making some giant DVD collection and they wanted him to write something for it or, or be on the, I forget what it was. He, they wanted they, him to be in like the, the behind the scenes, you know, talking to him, talking head kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and, and he was like, well, you know, how much are you going to pay me? And they're just like, oh, we're, well, we're not going to pay you, but you know, we're doing this great DVD collection and it's your work and whatever it is. And yeah. And basically we'll he's tell just everybody about you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was that whole <laughs> classic thing. Yeah. And it's just genius. Cause he's just like, I'm sorry, are you getting paid right now to sit here at the phone and ask me that question? Well, then why aren't I getting paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he, go, he goes on this, like, really nasty rant. And he's he's sort of a nasty, ranty guy anyway. Yeah. This is sort of what he's like from what I understand. So if you get a kick out of that kind of stuff, it's a pretty – and my little rant last week, I think, was uh, – I was, I was uh, channeling the Harlan Ellison rant that I had seen years ago <laughs> that I had forgotten about. That's right. Yeah, he, he is – Is uh, there – there's a great thing. Is that the part where uh, – he starts yelling at Neil Gaiman. Yeah. 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 And it's, and, and Neil Gaiman's just like, he's just like, why'd you give him my phone number? And Neil Gaiman's like, I, I didn't give him the phone number. I said, you lived in California. So maybe you're in the book. He's like, Oh, I am in the book. Yeah. Gaiman, you're dead to me. You know, <laughs> I, when I saw Neil Gaiman talk one time. I think he told that story. He's like, Gaiman, you're dead to me. <laughs> he's like, that was the whole message. Yeah. Genius. Um, good stuff. Uh, so who do we got for this week? 
you, you, this is a new one for me. So you, you take the wheel on this. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Bernie Sabat. I have seen her photographs, but I didn't know who was uh, was behind them. And I'm I'm very glad that we're doing her this this week. She's she's pretty amazing. Well, I, I like I like getting you know as many women photographers in our thing as possible. I think we've actually been pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of people complain about that. Um, so Bernie Abbott's was around forever. She was born in the 19th century. She was born in 1898 and she died in 1991. So this woman lived that's a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. That's a long run. Yeah. What is that? 92 years. Wow. That's, that's a long time. Um, so she started taking pictures like in, in the teens and in the twenties. And, uh, she, uh, she went and like the famous picture of Eugene Ache, who, if you recall, was one of our, was he our first? Photographer I think Ache was our first because that's, that's when you told me about that book, the Ache in Paris. Okay. So Eugene Ache, who was our photographer of the week in episode number one, um, uh, Bernie Abbott took portraits of him and she was alive. Like when I was alive, when I was a kid, you know, I love that sort of overlap. Sure. Kind of thing. You know, um, she took all these crazy pictures in New York city of, of, uh, encampments of unemployed people during the depression. Definitely not the kind of pictures that the, uh, that, 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 uh, we were talking about last week. From right, the with Evans and Lang. Yeah, th- these were not good propaganda. These were reality in many ways. Yeah, um, this was very hardcore sort of destitution, yeah. and, and uh, these were just encampments in alleys yeah. from what I've seen. Nasty stuff. Yeah, um, That good. crazy picture in the Bowery, which you really love. We'll have to find oh. that place. I wonder if that, loca- you know, that location probably still exists with that stairwell and that Bowery The guy picture. coming up out of the stairs? Yeah, I really like that. We'll have to it, look that up. It, it reminds me of and, – and, for different reasons, but it reminds me of that Walker Evans photo that you really like, of yes. the photo studio. Just just the signage, the crazy yep. signage everywhere. I, I really like that. And the yeah. guy kind of peeking around the barber pole. That's Oh, I didn't even notice the guy behind the barber pole. Oh, look at that. Uh, so yeah, so in 1925, uh, Man Ray, she was over in Paris. Man Ray and uh, Kertesh and those guys, she was like around those guys when they oh, were in their Kertesh. prime. And... Uh, he introduced her to Ache, who at the time was crazy old, like right about to die. And she became an admirer of his work. She bought a bunch of his pictures off of him, I think. Um, and uh, and she took portraits of him. And like the portrait of Ache that you ever see is the portrait that Bernie Abbott took of him when she mm-hmm. was like 20, 30 years old. That's a great shot. Yeah, which is which is just crazy cool. And she took a bunch of really great self-portraits as well. Um, she is Bernie Abbott's like one of those sort of, uh, I don't know that anyone would dislike her photography. Is that, you see what I'm trying to say? Sure. That like she is, she's done, she did a whole bunch of amazing photographs. She did a lot of stuff for science textbooks at one point, which was a really kind of strange little twist. This Penn Station shot is beautiful. Oh, Oh, does you? Where's the Penn Station shot? Oh, yeah. All, oh, that's the classic shot of Penn isn't Station. That great? Yeah. yeah, that's the old Penn Station before they tore it down. There's a oh, there's a good quote about Penn Station. They said, you know, when they tore it down and rebuilt it as underneath Madison Square Garden, you know, the arena. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like we we used to enter New York City as gods. Now we enter as rats. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's a great great quote. <laughs> Um, but Bertie Abbott, yeah, to all, almost all, all black and white from what I, from what I know. 
and um, just really, really great, great work. Uh, so if you haven't checked her out, I think you should. We'll put, I'll find some books on Amazon and put it in there and put a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, by the way, the show notes you can always get to. I just realized we don't talk about it much. Uh, ontakingpictures.com slash podcast uh, will drop you into just the posts on my blog that are the show notes for the show. So it'll Which be a lot of people have, uh, have written in and said they're, they're pretty comprehensive. They, wait, people have said that? Yeah. Wow. We got an email just we got a, uh, an email this or last week and the week before about uh, how how amazingly detailed your show notes are. That's what we want. We want detailed show notes. That's what I always yeah. say. Um, she also did those crazy. You know, one of the things that I really want to try that that famous self portrait she did where her face is all distorted. Is that the one you just sent me in the, the mirror one? Yeah, the Mo- on, think, on MoMA. I think she must have used. I don't know how Is it she multiple did it. exposure? No, it couldn't no, be. No, I think it's like some sort of um almost like she got some sort of foil mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, like to to use as a mirror. Sure, like I a mylar you, type thing. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, I I should go to like Ricky's or like some like Halloween store and buy some sheet of mylar with like cardboard backing, you know, so you could flex it without folding sure. it. Or like um, pearl paint or something. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I'm going to do that today cuz I got to go into town later. Um That'd be a fun little thing to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Bernie Abbott is this week's photographer of the week. And if anybody has anything to add, we'd love to hear from it. Good uh, stuff. About it. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. In fact, she takes a lot of the kind of pictures, you know, people look at these pictures of say New York city back in the day or the ones that Saul lighter. We always talk about and that kind of stuff. Sure. Right. And you say, Oh, I wish my world looked like that. You know, mm-hmm. the thing is that world didn't look weird to them at that time either. That just looked like their world. Right. See what I'm saying? They wanted the world of the 1890s. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, Every generation does right. that. So okay. like the Stephen Shore we were talking about the other day, you know, these pictures from the 70s, and you're like, oh, they have that 70s look. It's like, no, he just took them in the 70s. Right, right, right. So don't worry so much about that. I mean, sure, there are times in New York City when I wish it was just New York City without all the, like, stupid modern cars all over the place. But then again, the modern cars are part of what make it look the way it looks. Right. Um, right. So I don't know. I, just, I would like to see uh, – I don't know if you saw this project and maybe we can find it and put it in the show notes. Uh, somebody posted – I don't remember where it was, but it was uh, photos taken in San Francisco just after the earthquake of 1906. Yeah. Did we talk sort about of, those? Sort of I feel like blended, we talked about that. Did we talk about them? Kind of yeah. blended into modern, modern what it looks like now. Well, find them and we'll put it in the show notes again. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, yeah, man, they, it's some cool stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But I guess, be, uh, I, I mean, I, I've ranted before on my blog about why I don't like street photography. But sometimes I feel like I'm just being silly and I should really like street photography. I don't know how you can't like at least some of it. I, mean, I just, no, I, I like looking at it. I don't, I look at, I like looking at some of it. I don't like doing it all that often. That's okay. That I'll give you because when you, when, when you were out here, what last summer, uh, yeah. you hated going on that photo walk. Well, I, I thought it was delightful meeting all of you, but I, right, right, right. But you know, the process of it is just not something that you would do. I feel like a, f- the photo walk thing. I just don't, I guess I, I guess I see photography as a less, um, much more solitary. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's a more personal thing, a less social engagement. 
Rather than 20 people or 30 people getting... All walking around taking the same pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe that's just like some sort of weird... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like I mean, lone I, artist stereotype that I'm playing on. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think that you know, if if you look at the great street photographers, let's say, or the the ones that we would we would know by name, um, they were all very solitary, and that was the thing, isn't it? Because you want to blend in. You don't want to be noticed. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. Yeah. Uh, in most cases, right? Yeah, it's true. So you can't have a pack of people wandering around. But then you see guys like Joel Meyerowitz who are like walking around with their Leicas like sticking it in people's faces. Yeah, yeah. Or Eric Kim does the same thing. Uh, we should put him on the list. Man, we got our list is getting long. It doesn't get any shorter. It gets longer. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is a good thing, right? It is a good thing. It just means that we have plenty to go forward with. There's inspiration out there and there are amazing people to look at and be inspired by. I can't, I can't wait until we talk about Robert Frank and I can complain about him. Oh, Jesus. You don't like Robert Frank? Uh, No, save it, save it, save it, save it, save it. That's a rant that I would like to hear. (laughs) That's (laughs) what I'd like to hear. (laughs) No, the rest of them. Not (laughs) so much. Yeah. No. Cause I, yeah, we did a spotlight on Robert Frank. I actually like his stuff. Yeah, you would. Oh, nice. There it is. See what I did there? <laughs> All right, how do people get a hold of us? Uh podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh Bill tweets at billwadman.com. I tweet at jeffreysedoras. Uh, not jeffreysedoras.com, but you know, our names. Bill tweets at Bill Wadman and I tweet at Jeffrey Sedoras. There you go. Uh, I blew that, didn't I? That was fine. What about our phone number? Uh our phone number. We do have a phone number. It is what is it? 3 uh, I always lose it. Three four seven? No. What is I, it? I like listening to you bumble. Three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. Yeah. You know who doesn't like to hear me bumble around is uh you? our friend well, me. No. <laughs> our friend Randy, his his daughter was listening and she's like, I can't stand him. He just he never he it takes too long to say what he's got to say. Really? Yeah. I guess you, you sure they weren't talking about me? No, no. Because I say she, um a no, lot. She, she likes you. Uh I get stuck. You know, I just, I get stuck. Who's this Randy character? Randy Keppel, friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, good guy. Uh, shot Patrick, uh, shot Patrick's wedding. That's how. But daughter that's can't how they stand do. listening to us. No. And here's what's funny. Uh, Randy got his start assisting for uh, a guy named Ryan Beck, who I went to high school with. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Really? Yeah. Who has this, uh, I guess, humongous studio uh, just down the street from me. And I, I didn't know about it until, you know, a year or so ago. Interesting. Yeah. It's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. Um, so spread the word. Uh, yeah, ho- hope you guys time. like this show. Uh, if you have questions or, or things, yeah. let us know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, go on iTunes and please rate us or leave a comment because the more we have, the more people can find us. Yeah. Easier for folks to find it's true. Um, Anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good. That was a good one, I think. A little more tech, so. a little more techy than normal. Yeah, a little more geary, uh, but hopefully that will uh, see. But it's not about specific gear. This is more about tools. Sure. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't want to say, oh, well, if you're using a Wista four x five camera, X Y Z. 
Is that a good one, Wista? Oh, Wista are very nice. But I but like the quality that you're going to get out of it compared to my Cambo is like, what doesn't you know? Makes and models don't matter as much. Yeah. Except that some of them are iconic, you know. Now, yeah. can't you just one last thing with with four by five or you know large format? You can use sort of any lens with any camera, right? You don't have it's not- yeah. In fact, in many ways, the camera itself is sort of meaningless because the camera is just a box. The shutter and the lens, everything is all inside the lens, right? They all they they all have these like sort of internal shutters. Um, my camera has a Nikon lens on it, actually. My big camera. Um, a, a modern oh, icon could you, lens. Could you just say that again slowly? for the ah, <laughs> Yeah. So it's got a Nikon lens. Um, and it's a very, very modern Nikon lens where a lot of people use like old lenses, which are, you know. But the modern large format lenses are crazy clear and crisp and, and, and great. And my, this one, this one's like flawless. Good. Mm. Um, but again, it's part of it's cause it's really simple. Oh, one last thing. I mean, the other reason why some people use big cameras is cause of the movements you can make with them. You can do tilt and shift and that kind of stuff. Sure. Or you can actually change the plane of focus and, and mess around with perspective and that kind of stuff. So a lot of people who use large format are architectural photographers. Okay. are trying to, uh, get, parallel lines parallel and that kind of stuff for visual sure. reasons sure um so there are also technical reasons why you would want to use one for fancier stuff just want which, to throw that in there which is all that's where you live the fancy stuff apparently yeah <laughs> all right let's all right thanks for listening everyone we'll uh we'll be back next week all right see you have a good week <laughs>